The reading this evening is uh, from Jeremiah 4, beginning to read at verse 5, uh, which is on page 760 in the Church Bible, 760. Announce in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, Sound the trumpet throughout the land. Cry aloud and say, Gather together. Let us flee to the fortified cities. Raise the signal to go to Zion. Flee for safety without delay, for I am bringing disaster from the north, even terrible destruction. A lion has come out of his lair. A destroyer of nations has set out. He has left his place to lay waste your land. Your towns will lie in ruins without inhabitant. So put on sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned away from us. In that day, declares the Lord, the king and the officials will lose heart. The priests will be horrified and the prophets will be appalled. Then I said, Alas, sovereign Lord, how completely you have deceived this people in Jerusalem by saying you will have peace when the sword is at our throats. At that time, this people and Jerusalem will be told a scorching wind from the barren heights in the desert blows towards my people, but not to winnow or cleanse. A wind too strong for that comes from me. Now I pronounce my judgments against them. Look, he advances like the clouds. His chariots come like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, we are ruined. Jerusalem, wash the evil from your heart and be saved. How long will you harbor wicked thoughts? A voice is announcing from Dan, proclaiming disaster from the hills of Ephraim. Tell this to the nations. Proclaim concerning Jerusalem. A besieging army is coming from a distant land, raising a war cry against the cities of Judah. They surround her like men guarding a field, because she has rebelled against me, declares the Lord. Your own conduct and actions have brought this on you, This is your punishment, how bitter it is, how it pierces to the heart. Oh, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent, for I have heard the sound of the trumpet. I have heard the battle cry. Disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins. In an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter in a moment. How long must I see the battle standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? My people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil. They know not how to do good. I looked at the earth, and it was formless and empty, and at the heavens, and their light was gone. I looked at the mountains, and they were quaking. All the hills were swaying. I looked, 
and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. I looked, and the fruitful land was a desert. All its towns lay in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. This is what the Lord says. The whole land will be ruined, though I will not destroy it completely. Therefore the earth will mourn, and the heavens above grow dark, because I have spoken and will not relent. I have decided and will not turn back. At the sound of horsemen and archers, every town takes to flight. Some go into the thickets, some climb up among the rocks. All the towns are deserted, no one lives in them. What are you doing, you devastated one? Why dress yourself in scarlet and put on jewels of gold? Why highlight your eyes with makeup? You adorn yourself in vain. Your lovers despise you. They want to kill you. I hear a cry as of a woman in labor, a groan as of one bearing her first child. The cry of daughter Zion gasping for breath, stretching out her hands and saying, Alas, I am fainting. My life is given over to murderers. Thank you, Matthew. Let's pray together now. Father, that's not uh, an easy passage to hear, but we pray that you would help us to listen well tonight. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, you know, there are some things that you know are made up. So, for instance... Star Wars. We know that that's made up, don't we? It's just, uh, it's a good story. Um, and there are some things that you just reckon are telling you the truth. So, for instance, when David, Atten- Ad- David Attenborough has one of his programs, you think, oh, it's David Attenborough. Of course he's telling us the truth. He's so nice. He's bound to. And then there are some kind of in the middle, like bodyguard. And you think, well, I know it's a story, but it is kind of based today, and maybe it'll tell me some stuff about... Uh, uh, you know, how, how the security services work and, and things like that. And when it comes to the judgment of God at the end of days, which category does that fall into? It's one of those. Do you think it's, uh, you know it's a story, you know it's made up, like Star Wars? Do you think about it in terms of David Attenborough, you know, this judgment of God, it must be true, because it's in the Bible. Or do you think, well, it might be telling us a bit of truth, but we know it's a story really, but it's going to kind of help us to understand a little bit like that. Well, we're going to be looking this evening at Jeremiah 4 and verses 5 to 31 that Matthew's just read for us. And I want to say this is like David Attenborough. This is truth. This is a passage which sounds out loud and clear that judgment is real. And it is a pretty horrendous passage. I think in some ways uh, it ought to have a 15 certificate, or perhaps some bits, even an 18 certificate. Um, And I want to approach it in a slightly different way by looking at five things which people say about judgment. 
uh, and use Jeremiah chapter 4 to respond. But first, a little bit of background. Now, uh, we saw in in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verses 2 to 3, that's when Jeremiah lived and worked. And it could well be that the early part of chapter 4 here is in Josiah's reign. So he died about 609 BC. So we're talking about kind of 2,600 years ago in a land far away. Um, And then it all began to go pear-shaped for Jerusalem and God's people. And what he writes about here uh, is horrible. It's gruesome. You probably wouldn't want your little sister to, uh, to, to see this kind of stuff. Um, and just to be clear, some of it is Jeremiah speaking, some of it is God speaking. So when you look at the first chunk from verse 5 to 18, God is speaking with a bit of Jeremiah in verse 10. And then the emphasis goes on to the other side in verses 19 to 31, with Jeremiah speaking most of that, but God speaking in verses 27 and 28. And then there's the worrying bit, and that's this. Now, this is a passage that is written and spoken to God's people. So that means that you and I sitting here now as God's people, we mustn't point the finger at others and say, well, it's all about them, but we need to look at ourselves and ask what it is saying to us. So that's the background, uh, now the main course, if you like. And it's saying just simply this, that uh, judgment, the judgment of God is real. Now, when it comes to this, it seems to me there are a number of things that people say, people who we meet day to day, school gate next door and so on. And, uh, and the first one of these things uh, is this, that they're just simply saying it's not going to happen. It won't happen. This judgment of God you Christians, uh, or some of you Christians believe in, is not going to happen. And I would say the vast majority of the world uh, fall into that group. Judgment? No, I don't think so. Judgment? Oh, it's all a bit Victorian, isn't it? It's not for 21st century. Um, uh, judgment? Well, we don't really do judgment these days, do we? Well, I suppose in some ways it's similar to the fact that, you know, when people say go to prison these days, we um, uh, we think rather more, don't we, about protecting society and uh, rehabilitation and protecting the individual from themselves and so on. But there seems to be less in terms of the punishment side of it. It's still there, but it seems the emphasis has changed. And so for many people in our world, uh, they think, well, there's not so, there's not really not so, so much a thing as the judgment of God. But the thing is, you see, it's not just the world around us which thinks that. Actually, the Christian church thinks that as well. And uh, I would guess here tonight, uh, there'll be, I mean, none of us are going to be sort of relishing the thought of a sermon on God's judgment. But there will be some of us, I'm sure, who will, be, who will be saying in our heart of hearts, actually, I don't believe this. It's not true. Now, all of us, uh, we sort of make mistakes from time to time, don't we? Most mistakes are minor, uh, things like this. Um, guess who said this and about what? We don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. That was said of the Beatles in 1962 by the Decca Recording Company in a letter rejecting them from having a contract with them. Whoops. 
Or what about uh, Brooke Shields? She was being interviewed to become uh, a spokesperson for national anti-smoking campaign. During the interview, she said this, smoking kills. If you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life. I wonder if she got the job. Um, or the former Australian cabinet minister who said this, traditionally, most Australia's imports come from overseas. Yeah, well, Australia's an island, isn't it? So they would do. And um, uh, Or Dwight Eisenhower, former US president, said, uh, things are more like they are now than they ever were before. <laughs> Classic case of stating obvious. But I like this one, perhaps most of all. Uh, this is the title of an East Asian book on English grammar. And it's titled, Correctly English in 100 Days. Now then, mistakes are made. Some are amusing, most are minor. Jeremiah tells us that if you say judgment won't happen, that is a very big and a very serious mistake. And actually history tells us that as well. And the rest of the Bible tells us that as well. Because when you see what Jeremiah was talking about here, he was announcing the judgment of God in time on his people. And we know it happens. So uh, chapter 4 and the end of verse 28 here, he says this, I have spoken and will not relent. I have decided and will not turn back. God has a fixed purpose and will here. He knows what he's doing, and this is not just a kind of knee-jerk reaction. The whole of Jeremiah chapter 4 is telling us that actually a rebellion against him matters, and judgment will happen. And history tells us that it did. So you look at verse 26, for instance, where he says, I looked, and the fruitful land was a desert. All its towns lay in ruins before the Lord before his fierce anger. And then in verse 8, for instance, so put on sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned away from us. Now, you might expect that God's fierce anger would turn away from his own people, but it doesn't here. And Jeremiah is telling God's own people, you're in the firing line. Now, when I was at school, I did a bit of um, uh, shooting and a bit of uh, shooting at uni as well. And it included, for instance, sometimes would be, uh, we'd sh- uh, shoot in an indoor 25-yard range, but uh, sometimes we went outdoors uh, and uh, we'd be shooting over 500 yards. And uh, when we did that, uh, you would be shooting at a target. And um, so you had some guys on a firing point and then some guys would go down to the butts which is the area where the targets are. And they're protected by a big sand banks. So if the guys are short of the target, it goes into the sand. And then the other side of the targets, there's more sand. So once the bullets, live ammunition, have gone through the targets, they go and uh, hit the sand uh, in the back. Now, um, it's all perfectly safe, providing you stay in the butts. While the shooting is going on, if you put your head above the sand bank or you go behind the target, you'll be uh, uh, in the firing line. And you might get shot. And Jeremiah says here that because of the sinfulness of mankind and God's people are part of that, there is a judgment day. There is a firing line. And if you're not in the butts, there is no place of safety. Now, of course, the gospel says that for Christians, 
Jesus was placed in the firing line for us. That he died for us and that he was judged for us so that we might not be. Because the fact is that sin will always be judged and punished. Either you trust in Jesus that he died for you and he took your punishment. Or you take it yourself. But please don't make that huge mistake of simply saying it won't happen. Because it will. One day it will. There is a judgment day. Second thing is some people say um, it won't be that bad. Happy days ahead. It won't be that bad. Um, and uh, some people think that, you know, if this were a film, it would be, um, have that label to it. Um, actually, it won't. There are parts here where it's more like an 18 label. And how can you read Jeremiah 4 and think it won't be too bad? It is real. And actually there is a judgment day here. And it's wrong to think it won't be that bad. Judgment in history, as God uh, uses a new world superpower, Babylon, to crush his own people. And it is hideous here. And then you look at verse 6, and he talks there about uh, the signal, raise the signal. It's probably like, you know those beacons on top of the downs that we lit for the um, uh, for the Queen's Jubilee and so on? It's probably that. And then when you read uh, verse 6, there, flee for safety without delay, I'm bringing disaster from the north. This is the Babylonian guys, even terrible destruction. Um, and the, the line in verse 7, that's probably the people of Babylon. The lion has come out of his lair. They're on their way, in other words. The invasion force has left their home country. And in verse 9, you can see there the leadership of all sorts of leadership, religious and political leadership, it collapses. And in verse 11, most people, look at verse 11 there. At this time, this people uh, in Jerusalem, we're told, a scorching wind from the barren heights in the desert blows towards my people. And uh, he's probably thinking about the Sirocco. I don't know if you've done about Sirocco winds. They're hot and they're cold and they're very destructive, which is why uh, Volkswagen have called one of their souped-up cars the uh, Sirocco, because of a, a, a fast, rather nice uh, swish car, not that I've ever been in one, but uh, um, but it's named after that very hot wind. When that comes, it destroys everything in its path, the Sirocco. You, uh, if you're out in it and you're stuck out in it, you will probably die. It will destroy all your crops and all your animals. It will rip paint off a nice car like that. It will just sandblast it. And, uh, and it's very hot and it's very, it's like a dust storm and it goes on and on and on. You can't avoid this judgment, is what he's saying here. And in verse 29, they're refugees because there's nowhere to live anymore. And this is an awful, devastating disaster after disaster. You just look at verses 23 to 26 there. I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty and at the heavens and the light was gone. I looked at the mountains and they were quaking and the hills were swaying and so on. You see, that is a picture like that, isn't it? That's Hiroshima after the bomb. And that's a picture of what we're getting in, in Jeremiah chapter 4 here, isn't it? And when you look at verse 23, I think this is really quite chilling. But um, when it says, I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty. And there is a chilling parallel there with the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. 
Now the earth was formless and empty, it says in Genesis 1 and verse 2. Or the uh, authorized version says it's uh, without form and void. God is starting again. That's what Judgment Day is. It's God starting again. Because on the Judgment Day, he will usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And he will start again with his creation. And at the end of Jeremiah 4, there's some idea here um, that they can make some kind of alliance with the enemy. And it may refer to the uh, the link-ups that they're trying to sort out with Egypt and so on in their desperation there. Um, and it didn't work. It didn't work then. And Jeremiah here says, it's like a prostitute expecting to give birth and then being butchered before she can do so. And you look at the last two verses, verses 30 and 31, and they tell us that the enemy loathe her. She may try and make herself up to look nice and so on, but she is loathed and they hate her and they kill her. And that prostitute is God's people. So uh, uh, this is all um, horrendous stuff, isn't it? It looks like an 18 film to me. You think it won't be that bad? There is nothing gentle or accommodating about the judgment of God. We need to know that. We need to believe that. And we need to be prepared to tell that. Many people say it won't happen. Yes, it will. Many people say, oh, it won't be that bad. Yes, it will. Many people say, Christian people, well, it won't affect us. Sorry, that's the next one we need to say. It won't affect us. And actually the Bible says, uh, yes, it will. Um, uh, we're there. I mean, the trouble is a lot of Christian people say, well, we go to church and uh, therefore be exempt or immune in some way. But the warning here is, in verse 14, Jerusalem, wash the evil from your heart and be saved. How long will you harbor wicked thoughts? That's God's people. And you look at verse 22, my people are fools, they don't know me. They're senseless children, have no understanding, they're skilled in doing evil, they know not how to do good. And uh, they don't know me. So, um, you can be along here right now. You can come regularly. You can be part of God's visible people. But the key question is this, isn't it? What he's saying, do you know God? And does God know you? Not do you know about God, but do you know God? And does God know you? That's the need. So people can, who can call themselves and believe that we are, God's people, actually it's saying here, the key thing is missing, that we don't know him personally, ourselves. That's the need for Christians to know God. Uh, and what is the saying is that people gathering together within the church, there will be people amongst that group who uh, uh, probably don't yet know God. How do you know God? A simple prayer. Lord, I want to know you. Please forgive me. I want to live with you and follow you. I want to know you. Please come into my life now.
And if you want help with that, then do talk to me or Tim or someone you know here to be a Christian. Um, do that before you leave tonight, would you? So where's the responsibility for God's judgment lie? Well, look at verse 18. Your own conduct and actions have brought this on you. So your punishment, how bitter it is, how it pierces to the heart. So we can't point the finger. We can't offload responsibility somewhere else. This is personal, isn't it? It's personal. So I'm going to ask you that question again. Do you know God? 3rd of March could be a great day for you to look back and uh, on that day when you made that commitment to follow Jesus. And if you're ready, there's no point in hanging back. If you want to tell him that tonight, I want to follow you. <coughs> Excuse me. The judgment of God is real. Some say it won't happen. Yes, it will. Some say it won't be that bad. Yes, it will. Some say it won't affect us. Well, if, if, you're, if you're a genuine Christian, it, it won't affect you because Jesus was judged in your place. But of course it affects us if Jesus was judged in our place. Because we're forever grateful and thankful for eternity that he has taken our place on the cross. So, of course, judgment affects us, but we would go through that on judgment day to an eternity with him because of Jesus. So it can affect us very positively as we're so grateful to Jesus for all of eternity that he took the judgment for us. Or it will affect us personally and directly if we don't yet know Jesus. Some say, well, it wouldn't be uh, uh, the act of a good God. That's the next thing. Um, This is the fourth one. Um, It wouldn't be the act of a good God uh, to judge. In other words, how, how can a loving and good God condemn someone for not knowing him? And many, many people, I think, be- uh, refuse to believe in Judgment Day because they don't believe uh, that a nice God would do that. And even Jeremiah had, had his moments. I mean, let's have a look at verse 10. Um, he thought God was being rather deceptive here. He recognizes he's the sovereign God who's promised peace and he's now obliterated the country. So it doesn't seem very nice, does it? And Jeremiah struggled with his message. And it's not an easy thing to preach. It's not an easy thing to talk about. I think if we find it easy, then we should, uh, to talk to others about judgment, then we should take a good long look into our own hearts. So it's not a nice thing to talk about, and it's not an easy thing to understand. But the Bible tells us that God is a sovereign God and a holy God, and therefore our sin matters, and we're responsible creatures. And it would it would be a wicked thing, you know, for God to say that wickedness doesn't matter, because wickedness, sin, evil. They are affronts to the holiness and the majesty of God. Every little rebellion does matter. It's God bringing his judgment. You look at verse 6, God bringing his judgment. Look at the end of verse 8, God bringing his judgment. Look at the end of verse 12, God bringing his judgment. Now I pronounce my judgments against them in verse 12. This is God's work. And actually, dare I even say it, it's a good work. 
as God's justice is done. There is something good, isn't there, where justice is done. I'm slightly amused at a little story about a, a burglar who was uh, interrupted while he was burgling a house in Antwerp in Belgium. And he fled out of the back door and climbed over a nine-foot wall at the back of the house. And uh, a wall which had razor wire all the way along the top of it, but he managed to uh, overcome the razor wire as well, dropped down on the other side, only to find he was in the city prison. Now, in amongst all this, judgment is not the end. There is life beyond it. There is hope beyond judgment. But God brings good things through judgment. So, for instance, at the end of verse 27, uh, the whole land will be ruined, though I will not destroy it completely, or I will not make a full end, it could be translated. And that is there also in chapter 5 and verse 10, and chapter 5 and verse 18. There will be a remnant to start over. There is hope for a better future. And for us, we know that after Judgment Day, there's a better future, a much better future, a new heaven and earth, as God brings perfection back to the universe. And you will be part of that if you know God the Father and Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The judgment of God is real. Some say it won't happen. I can assure you it will. Some say uh, it won't be that bad, but it will. Some say it won't affect us, but it will. Some say it wouldn't be act, the act of a good God, but that's exactly what it is. And then the final thing, people say, we don't need to say anything about it. We don't need to say anything about it as Christian believers. I mean, it's a bit awkward. People wouldn't agree with me. I might stop wanting to go out for coffee with me. I don't know what I'd say and so on. That all sounds a bit like Jeremiah, actually, doesn't it? But in the end, he got on with it. People needed to know about the judgment of God. And it happened in Jeremiah's time. And, you know, I think for us, there are some events in history which I think are the judgment of God, too. You know, take some big things. So take the Boxing Day tsunami or the 1987 hurricane that hit the southeast of England, for instance. Now, I think it would be utterly foolish to say that those are not the judgment of God. Also, I think it would be foolish to say they couldn't possibly be the judgment of God. Because they could be. That's the kind of thing that happened in Jeremiah's time. The kind of thing that happened when they brought an army and destroyed even his own people's country and almost all of his people. It happened in history. And I, for one, am convinced it happens in history uh, in these days as well. So we need to be aware of that and uh, not just close our eyes to it. And people need to know about this, don't they? Sure, we need to know God's love. They need to know about Jesus' death and resurrection. But people also need to know that one day... Jesus will return, and when he does, that is judgment day for the world. Say it gently. Say it with your heart. Actually, verse 19 talks about, uh, uh, if you have a look there in verse 19, um, Oh, my anguish, my anguish, I, I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. That's the right attitude. 
And actually in verse 19 there where Jeremiah talks about his heart, literally it's his bowels. Nineteen says it all really. His heart's in agony, but he can't keep silent. And that's a good model for us to make sure we don't come across as arrogant tub thumpers. The judgment of God is real and people need to know about it. So people say it won't happen. But actually it will. Some people say it won't be that bad. Jeremiah tells us it'll be very bad. Some people say it won't affect us, but it will. Some people say it wouldn't be the act of a good God, but that's exactly what it is. And some people say we don't need to say anything about it. That would be an awfully unkind thing not to do. Let's pray. Father, this is a very difficult chapter to read and to to think that this actually uh, applies to us and our world. So, Father, please help us to take these words seriously. Help us to think them through and help us to take our own sins seriously, we pray. And we ask, Lord, please, you'd help us to know you and to love you and to follow you. For Jesus' sake. Amen.